Before I uh, preach, let me, um, let me read for, uh, from Hebrews chapter 1 to you. So this is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. It's uh, the Hebrew writer speaking about the Son. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the, of, of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Well, each year Christmas does come around. It's the same stories that we hear in the scriptures most of the time, isn't it? And each year the story doesn't change, it remains the same. And each year pastors across the world have to try and bring the story out in a new way. And it is a challenge. It is a challenge. Um, (laughs) If you've uh, ever had to try and preach a, a Christmas story year on, year out, you'll know that it is a challenge. Because the reality is the story speaks for itself. The reality is the story speaks into our life, into our hopes. The story is a a story that provides us with a hope that what began in the manger at Bethlehem culminated in the death on the cross in Jerusalem. The life of Jesus in between teaches us all about the very nature of God, It gives us a template for a life lived for God. And what began in in that humble Bethlehem manger and culminated in that gruesome death gives us life to all through the resurrection. It's because of that moment in Bethlehem that we have hope right now. It's the same message every year. And as we journey towards Christmas Day, through this time of Advent, we're going to explore four themes. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And it'll culminate in the celebration of Emmanuel, Christ with us. So this morning, let's pray and let's be reminded of the hope that comes because of Bethlehem. Over the course of this Advent season, we're going to base our theme from a book by Max Licato. Has anyone ever read much Max Licato? He is a great wordsmith. His word, the way that he brings across words is, is wonderful. It's, it's poetry almost. And we're going we're gonna to look a little bit into, into that book a little bit. It's a book that reminds us of the, the triumph of the Easter story, the death and resurrection of the Saviour, begins because of the humble beginnings at Bethlehem. If you're interested in buying the book, um, if you put to the next slide, Tim, that'd be great, and uh, you'll see it. It's, that's what it looks like. Um, you'll find it at Kurong. Um, I've got it on the Kindle. You can look at it online, that sort of thing. Um, it's a, it is an easy read. Um, if you, if you use, does anyone use audio books? 
in the car? We can, no, never mind. I, yeah, there's a few of you. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, download is an audio book, and um, it's very American, but uh, it's still there. You can listen to it in the car on the way to work, and that sort of thing. Um, it's a good book. It's a good book, and it leads us into a new hope of Christmas. So let me pray, and we'll get stuck into it. Our God, we thank you for uh, the hope that comes at Christmas through this baby. And we pray this morning as we think of that hope that we may find hope in the coming days, in the coming weeks, and hope for our future with him. Thanks, Lord. Amen. Now, I have a fear of Christmas. One fear, anyway. Not a fear of Christmas, but one fear at this time in Christmas. And it comes around every year. Not Christmas. My fear comes around every year. And it's when I get to the stage of thinking I need to buy some presents. Who's done all the Christmas shopping already? Yeah, there's a few, few, yeah, clever people, very, very clever people. Uh, I, I have to admit that my Christmas present shopping isn't the best thing that I do. I haven't picked up one Christmas present yet. Who is in the same boat as me? Yeah, good. Oh, I don't feel too alone. That's good, that's good. But I think each year I think I'm going to do it a little bit earlier next year. But I think at this time of the year, all right, it's December, it's clicking into gear, we're going to have to go and get some Christmas presents at some stage. And I think it's all right. Because the shops, in a couple of weeks, they'll be open till 12 o'clock every night. 12 o'clock. So you can just wander down at 10 o'clock and just jump in and just do some Christmas. Easy, easy. And I get to that stage and it gets a bit closer and I think, oh, I still haven't done it. Other things have popped up. Sleep. Uh, <laughs> and it gets to the 23rd of December and there's still some major gaps in the Christmas shopping list. Anyone feel that? Yeah, a few of you. Good, good, good. I'm not the only one. That's good. Uh, and, and I think that's all right because from the 23rd of December at 9 o'clock, when the shop's open, or 8 o'clock for some shops, it goes all the way until the 24th of December at 5 o'clock. I've got, is that, 36 hours of shopping I can do. I think, fantastic, I can do that. And so that's not too bad. But when it's 4 o'clock at, at the, in the morning at Chadston and everyone else is looking like I'm feeling... I think this wasn't a good idea. Not a good idea. <laughs> and the coffee is not even going to help. So I think next year, this year, I'm not going to get into that situation. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have a fear again. But the reality of my situation is that my fear is self-inflicted. <laughs> I, can, I can go ahead and do something about it. And as I can reconsider the fact that, presence or not, Christmas is going to come round. We're going to have a good time with family. We're going to eat. We're going to laugh. It's going to be there. It's going to be good. However, if I take a, a step back, I know for some, Christmas this year might be tough. Perhaps this is the first Christmas without a loved one. And that's the case for my family this year. And it might be the case for your family. Perhaps this year's the first year you've not been able to get the gifts that you'd love to have gotten for your family because the income stream has dried up. Perhaps you're wrestling with some sort of illness that betrays the hope that we proclaim that this peace child was there on Christmas Day. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken down. Maybe it's a, an anxious moment, not knowing what's coming and we hear yesterday of another terror attack in London. Maybe we fear for our children. 
perhaps Christmas is tough. So this morning, let me tell you that God understands that. God understands how tough it is. And God wants to say, there's hope. His humble beginnings tell us that. Jesus was born in a cattle shed. There was no fanfare for the Son of God. There's no kingdom guards. There's no soft satin sheets for the Son of God. When God came to earth, it was done in the hardest and the humblest of beginnings. Can you imagine a young, uh, uh, being a young lady pregnant with what an angel has told you is the Son of God? And you get to the stage of having this baby, the Son of God, and you've got nowhere to rest your head. I'm sure Joseph would have been in the bad books for not having pre-booked somewhere to stay. <laughs> or maybe leaving too late. Joseph, why are we leaving so late? Let me read Max Licato's take on the plight of that first Christmas for Mary. Oh, I think it's in my phone. That'll be the better place to read it from. As much as she tried to keep a good attitude, it was not easy. She was far from home, miles from family and her own bed. She had spent the last few days on crowded roads, endured the winter chill. Money was scarce. Friends were nowhere near. A warm bed and a hot meal, the prospects were slim. Ask her which was worse, the pain in her heart or the pain in her back, and she'd be hard-pressed to make her choice. Her heart ached for her family. She felt estranged from them. Under normal circumstances, they would have been thrilled to learn of her pregnancy. But pregnant before the wedding, with her conservative family and her bizarre explanation, and to have to tell the man she was to marry that she, she, was a, she was carrying a child that wasn't his. It was a miracle that he married her at all. And another miracle was what she needed that night. She'd envisioned giving birth to her firstborn at home. Mum holding one hand, an aunt the other, a midwife, doting relative, Joseph, a crowd of neighbours. Perhaps if they all could ex have experienced the birth of her firstborn, they would believe her story. At least that's how I imagine Mary would have felt. Of course, I could be wrong. Perhaps the feed trough and the stable were her idea, but I don't think so. I've yet to meet a mother-to-be who dreams of using a cow stall for a delivery room and a manger for a bassinet. I doubt Mary did either. So when Joseph returned from the inn and asked, her, asked if she was allergic to sheep, it's, safe to hunch, it's, it's a safe hunch to say she was not happy. This wasn't how she planned to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Joseph led the donkey down a steep path that ended at the, the mouth of a cave, carved out years before by wind and rain, used as long as anyone could remember as a barn. He lowered Mary off the back of the donkey. He looked at her face, fatigued and powdery from the road. He apologised for the accommodation. She touched his cheek and smiled and into the grotto. Joseph built a fire and heated water. Mary cleared a spot on the straw and set about the task of bringing God into the world. With cows as her witnesses and Joseph, Joseph as her midwife, she did just that. She brought God into the world. The birth of our Lord is not one that any of us as parents would really like to emulate. 
Yet through the chaos of that night, God triumphed. Christ came. God came into the world. Mary, a young lady, brought God into this world. You know what Mary would have had on the forefront of mind? I'm sure she would have been thinking what the angel had told her before she was conceived, before, before she conceived. The angel told her, he said, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll become pregnant and give birth to a son and name him Jesus. He'll be a great man and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be? I'm a virgin. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child, holy child developing inside you will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Mary, if you go to the next couple of verses, Mary answered, I'm the Lord's servant. Let everything you said happen to me. And the angel left her. Can you fathom what the angel just said to a young girl? This is just a young girl. The holy child developing inside you will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And you see, Jesus was born as a child to Mary, as a baby. Yet Jesus already was as part of the Trinity. God's given a cross to the earth as a child. The baby to be born was going to be Mary's son. But already he was part of the Trinity. He was already God. A baby starting out as a single cell, forming through the nine months of nurture within the womb, being fed through a tube inside of Mary, just like each and every one of us was developed. And eventually comes into this world as a vulnerable baby. No real midwife, no special crib, just a baby wrapped in, an animal, uh, wrapped in cloths in an animal food trough. I wonder if Mary, in those first moments after having the little baby, I wonder if she held him and thought, so this is what God looks like. And whilst we didn't get to meet Jesus when he walked on the earth, there are enough eyewitnesses of Jesus who are able to write his biography for us. Mary and Joseph, they were the first to see God in flesh. Yet others were privy to that same privilege. This is what God looks like. A baby, a special baby, a baby that grew into a man. The reading from Hebrews that I read to us, uh, to us all um, says the following. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The sun, this, this baby born, is the radiance of God's glory. See, radiance means to reflect or reflects light, especially. So this baby reflects the light of God. But this baby is not only a reflector of God's character. It goes on and says, it's the, he's the exact representation of God's being, of his being. He is exactly what God looks like. 
Kyra at the car boot sale yesterday, she, uh, she bought um, a little like an extra sketch, you know, the extra sketch things, and it had a book on the bottom of it, and it taught us how to draw some different characters. So Kyra said, can you draw this? I'm like, oh, sure, I'll have a go. And, um, and there's things like jewels and things like that. So I started drawing, and you know on the extra sketch, they, if you, does anyone know what an extra sketch is? Um, I can't say it very well. Um, but, but on the extra sketch, it bleeds a little bit. The, the things go all over. So you start to, it's got all these intricate little patterns you're meant to draw. And she goes, what about that bit, Dad? I'm like, I start drawing it, it just becomes this blur. And I said, what do you think, Kyra? And she goes, it's okay, Dad. I'm like, oh, well, thanks. That's lovely. <laughs> see, see, but, but she was excited by this etch sketch But my drawing on the etch sketch um, was not exactly what was on the page. It was just a bit of a representation. It wasn't the exact representation of what was depicted in the original. But when God came flesh, it was exactly the representation that God intended. A baby. A baby. And this is a hope bringer. Because when you see Jesus, you see God. And Jesus confirms this 30 plus years later. In John 14, 9, Jesus says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The claim of Scripture is that Jesus is God. The claim of Jesus is that he is God. Jesus didn't claim to be like God. Jesus never said that he was a, a pretty close representation or even some sort of representation. Rather, Jesus is God. Jesus' words were God's words. Jesus' actions were God's actions. To look into the face of Jesus was to look into the face of God. To listen to the voice of Jesus was to listen to the voice of God. Doesn't that put weight into why we should read Scripture? Doesn't it put weight into why we should stand up and take notice of the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus? In John chapter 1, it tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was that Word. The Word became flesh. The Word cried like a baby. The Word slept. The Word grew in a family. The Word was somewhat anonymous for the first little while. We don't hear about the Word until he was 12 years old again. There's a whole lot about the Word that we just don't know. How was Jesus as a toddler? What was he like when he was at school? We just don't have the answers. But we know that he was God growing up in a world that had some pretty major issues. Our world has some pretty major issues right now, doesn't it? But so did Jesus' world. In fact, looking back on the genealogy of Jesus, Jesus' ancestors looked like a, a, a bunch of misfits that were about to go onto the survivor island. We've got adulterers in there. With Solomon, he had way too many wives. Rahab was a prostitute. It's not exactly how we would imagine the Son of God being born into, is it? Or the lineage who would come into the world. It's not really where a king should start. Think of Queen Elizabeth. When she travels, she travels well. Queen Elizabeth, we love our queen. She likes to carry a few luxuries, though. And I looked up these luxuries. She always has a stash of lollies. She has a stash of, of lollies. The queen, can you imagine just having a stash of lollies? Apparently it keeps her, her sugar levels up so that when she flies, she can be sustained. <laughs> she always has a black outfit, like a, a funeral outfit. 
Because she, uh, she went to Africa, I think it was, at one stage, and there was a funeral there, and she didn't have the outfit that she needed. So she always carries a, an outfit, a black outfit. She ca- carries her own personal toilet paper that is sealed, like, you know, the clean seal. Yep. She carries that. Only her and Philip are allowed to break that seal. <laughs> she carries blood for both her and Philip, just in case. Uh, <laughs> she would pack up to 30 outfits, regardless of how long she uh, goes. Uh, and she takes her own food and drinks, and obviously the people to make the food and drinks. She travels like a queen. <laughs> she is a queen. Jesus didn't have that luxury, did he? Jesus was a king, coming into the world as a king, yet he didn't even get a pillow. This is how God chose to enter his son into the earth. Through a vulnerable lady in a humble animal shelter. I wonder if Mary looked at Jesus all the time, said, I can see God now. I wonder if she gazed on him as he grew and thought, there's God washing the dishes with me. I wonder if she gave him a hug and thought, it's nice to have an embrace from God. Mary looked on the baby Jesus that night. So this is what God looks like. I wonder if you've made that discovery. I wonder if you've looked at the face of Jesus and said, this is what God looks like. You want to know how God views the storms of life? You want to know what God's like at a wedding? You want to know what God looks like in the face of stress? Look at Jesus facing a storm. Look at Jesus at a wedding, the provision that he provides. Look at Jesus coping with intense times of great stress. Do you want to see how God feels about the least in society? Watch how Jesus bends down and touches those who others wouldn't speak to. And when you're in that place where you think, I can't see hope, I can't see future, you can remember this. God's been there. Jesus has been through it. Jesus experienced rejection of the greatest sense. Jesus endured loss. Jesus went through trials. Jesus understands sadness. God went through it. So because of Bethlehem, we can have the confidence that God knows. We can have the confidence that God understands, that God listens, that God empathizes, that God has already lived it out. That's the great hope of Christmas. That God entered the very world that we live, that God is not removed, that God is not aloof, that God came and lived the same problems that each of us live. And it started in Bethlehem. So as we approach Christmas this year, we can have a hope, regardless of our situation, a hope that God knows. J.J. Packer in his book, Knowing God, explores this hope. He says, The Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later, he might hang on a cross. Our hope starts in Bethlehem. In the book um, that Max Licato wrote, he puts it like this. Because of Bethlehem, 
I have a saviour in heaven. Christmas begins what Easter celebrates. The child in the, in the cradle became the king on the cross. And because he did, there are no marks on my record. Just grace. His offer has no fine print. He didn't tell me, clean up your act before you can come in. He offered, come in, and I'll help you clean up your act. It's not my grip on him that matters, but his grip on me. And his grip is sure. His grip on you this morning is sure. No matter what you're going through, his grip is sure. So this Advent, let's not miss the baby in the manger. Let's not gloss over the enormity of God coming near to us. Let's not miss out on the reality that God stepped into our space, the same space he created perfectly, but we messed up. And he did it that we might have hope. God saves because of Bethlehem. So my prayer for you is that regardless of your situation this Christmas, you'll find that hope. You'll find that hope in Jesus. Let me pray. So God, as we approach the time of your birth, where we celebrate your birth through the baby Jesus, may we find a renewed hope in you, knowing that you've been through it all, knowing that you are with us in it all, knowing that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And God, I pray once again, if hope is needed this Christmas, may we turn to you afresh. Amen.